I V M. All right. Please note that the language and ideas presented on the show might not be suitable for everyone. If you're under eighteen, make sure your mom isn't around. If you're over eighty, why is your mom around? You're listening to Cyrus Says. Yes, on Cyrus Says, we meet a man called Nick Smith who left a corporate job with IBM, paying him millions of dollars to come and jump around swimming pools in Mumbai and get chased by police. Why? How? What? And how much tax does he pay every year? We find out on Cyrus Says with Nick Smith, the godfather of skateboarding in India. Why follow your auntie's advice when you can follow Cyrus Says on Facebook and Twitter to stay updated about the latest shows. Friends, Romans, Indians. This is Cyrus says. I just want to ask you one question: Do you share bottles? If you share bottles, and I don't mean milk bottles, remember, drink from the bottle. This is the bottle. This is how you drink. Let your mouth touch the bottle. Hmm? No more this drinking from up here. It's pathetic. It's third world. It's stupid. It looks illogical. And a country rampant with disease. Does it really matter if you drink from the bottle or not? So just drink from the bottle. Don't hold back. Nobody should drink from up. By the way, when I try it, it hits my chest, and whatever hits my chest stays on my chest. So don't do that. Drink from the bottle. Cyrus says. And that's what Cyrus says. Okay, on Cyrus says today we've got a very different guest, and uh, when I say different, I mean because we've not had a skateboarder uh, per se on this show. We've had a porn actress, we've had a senator, we've had a dog trainer, and we've had a man who breeds fish. But you, sir, are exceptional, Mr. Nick Smith. By the way, as we say hello to Nick Smith, let me just explain that Nick Smith is the most generic British name I could. I mean, if I had to make up an Englishman, I'd be like Nick Smith. I mean, it's just it's just so bang on. Nick, can I just quickly talk about you and explain that you're from Brighton, UK, and uh, for some misplaced reason, you landed up in BKC, India, Mumbai, and uh, you've gone through a lot of jobs. We'll go through your entire bio data as we talk, but we'll start at the top here, which is you are now known as the Godfather of Indian skateboarding. How do you sit with that title, sir? Um, I'm okay with it. Whatever, whatever gets the job done, really. Mm-hmm. So, so let's just uh, first understand how you landed up in India and how you uh, preached the whole skateboarding uh, mantra to everyone. It was an accident. Right, right. I knew it had to be an accident, yeah, Nick. Yeah, yeah. Nobody comes here by, by choice. <laughs> Go on. You will. No, we stay by choice. You stay we by choice because it's cheap. Accident, yeah. 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 Not just, actually, it's quite expensive now. It is, it's isn't it? It used to be cheap. Yeah. Lots of Indians are going to England because the whole world is turning on its head here. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. Especially Mumbai. I came because it was warm. That was my... Uh... No, even that. We have warm, warmer and warmest. I mean, that that's one thing we do have. All right, so Nick, sorry, uh, you came to uh, Mumbai by accident. Tell us. No, no, no. I came to Mumbai on purpose. I came originally to India uh, on a holiday, and then I did what people do. I had children and realised it was intensely hard work. And I just thought life would be easier if it was warm and we could be outside all the time. So we come. And okay, now you, I've you've lost me completely. You had children in India? Or? No, no, no. I've made a child in India, uh, but he wasn't born here. He was born back at home. Okay, you made it. Okay, now we're all over the place. So you made a child here because of the lovely sunny conditions. There's not much else we do. As you look around, you find us everywhere. And the child was born in England. No, I'll get back to the, the original question, how I ended up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was of an age where I thought there was only two or so years to go that I could carry on skateboarding. Right. And I wanted to skate in my own 
pool, like a California-style round-bottom pool. We should mm-hmm. build more of them here. It will save water, and then when they're drained, we can all skate them. Um, but I wanted to have one of these. The only place I could afford it, wanted to do it, was in Goa. So I built a pool in my garden to skate every day in the last two years of my skateboarding. Um, and that was 14 years ago, and I'm still rolling around. Just a bit slower now. Okay, so now we need to understand exactly where you come from. So you basically, many, many years ago, were working with IBM. Yes, yeah. So you, you know all this stuff. We had to research, well, thanks to IBM and Google, we have all this stuff <laughs> at the tip of our fingers. But no, it's very interesting to see how a person from that kind of background mm. would land up in Goa preaching skateboarding and actually doing it as a full-time profession, come hobby, come love. So let's go back to ideas. Okay, let's go back to Brighton, where you were born many years ago. No, I was, I'm a London boy. Um, I just went to Brighton because it's like London by the sea. All right, so you're born in London. Yeah. yeah. So we got that one wrong. <laughs> it's all right. You were close. Brighton, close to London, is where you went as a, yeah. as a young man. Where did Nick Smith get into, into skateboarding? Why weren't you playing rugby or cricket or footy uh, like anybody else in England? Yeah, I did. I did. And then I got dropped from the school team once. I never went again. And then I just, I'd seen skateboarding on the TV. Skateboarding didn't exist in, in England. Was it a California, America I, I, sort of past? I, I think, yeah, I think it started California, a few other places. People started bolting roller skates to to pieces of wood and projecting himself down here. My first uh, attempt at skateboarding was on a trolley that I stole from the back of a supermarket. Man, with, you sound like an Indian, Nick. With, with multi-directional you, wheels. You just changed the, uh, the apparatus, made it cheaper, and decided to start your own thing. Exactly. God, you really like us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm becoming you like You really are. Yeah. <laughs> your guard is strong. You break the market of skateboarding. <laughs> Whoever started it back in the States. Yeah, and imagine in England, with all that weather, you know, with five weather changes in one day, I wouldn't think skateboarding was that popular because the sun hardly shines. Mm, yeah, it became popular. And uh, but the, as I say my my intro was on this thing which was about two foot wide and three foot long with multi-directional wheels that I used to just chuck myself down hills with. But if it's multi-directional wheels, how does it go in one direction? It didn't. It went where what it fun. wanted to go. <laughs> this is like this is like you're on drugs. You're on speed now <laughs> because it's doing its own thing. It completely did its own thing. But I just really knew that I wanted to do this, and then I eventually got a skateboard. It was terrible, but it was better than the one that went. But a real one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It went where I wanted it to go. Roughly, this one just went the other one previous one went wherever and that was 42 years ago so how old were you when you got the actual skateboard 10 you were 10 yeah yeah. and you're doing everything off the telly you're doing everything off uh, what you sort of know in your head there's no guide we didn't have all that because we used to get a magazine once a month with people doing stuff that I found out 20 years later, most of the stuff that we saw the pictures of, they didn't even make it. It just was a good looking snap. Uh, there was no videos, there was no tutorials, there was no snow, slow-mo. There was and there was no guy in the neighborhood who was on a skateboard you looked up to? No, but then slowly a little gang formed. We were called the Blaze Trailers. That was our little, our little gang and we used to campaign to get, we got a swimming pool opened, not a round bottom one, just a flat a council swimming pool, we got it opened. But of course, in the summer they wanted to fill it up with water. So let's explain for people who have no idea what the skateboarding experience, because sports in India is, as you know by now, sex and cricket, and sometimes together. Mm-hmm. So skateboarding is something which not too many people know. Um, so I'll just get get down to that. The swimming pool, you need you need a sort of, uh, you need a descent and an and, and ascent as well, is it? The swimming pool, like the one that I built in Goa, the one that I grew up looking at in California, fantasizing about how I want to be there with long curly hair and sweatbands and going radical bra. Um, 
the, uh, those kind of pools, it wasn't like the one we got opened up, but they've got round bottoms, and that's how skateboarding kind of went from being something that surfers did when there was no waves to something a bit more exciting because there was a drought in California and um, the people weren't allowed to fill their pools, whereas I think when there's a drought here, you can only fill them in South Mumbai and lower... lower, lower, lower we, just, we just pretend there's no drought in South Mumbai. It asks a different philosophy. <laughs> but so, so thereby uh, offset by chance, by accident, because of a drought, they were forced to use... They got to use pools which were uh, drained out. Yeah, people just saw the pools in the back of gardens and started skating, and then loads of skate parks got built in the late 70s. Then there was some change in the law, and they all got demolished, and skateboarding's been real... Been real and troughs over yeah. the years. And, uh, so let's cut back to London where you are and you're 10 years old and you get one council pool which is a flat pool open. So what do you do with it? We just skated around in the rain because we didn't know we weren't supposed to skate. Would people come and watch you? Was it like picking up? Would people say, wow, look, check those guys out? There was hundreds of us. It was, there was a real boom in the late 70s and then, and then in the 80s it just kind of died out and in the 90s there was about 10 people or something like that. And then it just grew, and now it's everywhere. So here's Conf- the question. Back in London in the 70s when we were starting out as a young kid, yeah. how many Indians joined you? Indian origin, Englishmen or whatever? People of- One. One? One. He was called Ifti. No, I think he was a Pakistani, actually. But- Oops, huge mistake. But we'll Sorry, take it. Yeah, yeah. We'll take it. Ifti. Iftikar, probably, yeah. All right, so Ifti was good at it? Yeah, he was really good. We yeah. always think that our people are just not good at these skateboarding things. I've watched our guys try to do it, and I think you'll have your hands full with our uh, DNA. No, no, you guys are good. You guys you think? are good. Yes, and brilliant skateboarders. I've, I've got a friend. He's he's hard, he's got an Indian mother, but he was brought up in California. So one leg is good, is it? <laughs> no, he's he's he's, a, he's top level, world class. Zarosh, his name is. He's amazing. He's, he's skated. He's been to India twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come and check out his heritage. All right, so we'll come back to him in a second. Let's now go back to, so you're doing this, uh, you're doing the skateboarding thing, but you also, as you go up uh, in life, as you grow up rather, you go into IBM. So you've obviously got your, your feet on the ground and you're doing school and college and all that. Uh, no, I didn't really do school and college. Uh, I skipped out and thought I knew best and then went back, did a bit of IT studies, ended up with a job in IBM, did it for a few years because I thought that's what you should do. Hate well, it. this corporate sales coordinator to run a mobile phone business. It sounds pretty, uh, you know, responsible and it's a long title. And in England, you'll get long titles easily. It's like the Prince of <laughs> Wales, for God's sake. It's a huge title. So go and tell us about that. How? I, well, no, it didn't go quite like that. It was it was the IBM thing. I did get to be corporate sales coordinator, but that is a glorified title for the man in the middle who used to have to run around and deliver on all the promises that the salespeople had said and Ooh. talk to the cable people and say, by the way, you know you thought you were having a weekend off? Well, you're not, and da-da-da-da-da, like a Kissinger kind of role. So you're Kissinger without the accent. That's, that's the worst role ever. But uh, what I'm trying to understand here is that you're still doing this as a hobby on the side. You're not an adult. Always, always. It's a larger pool of people who are participating. You made a name for yourself, I presume. Were there competitions? Yeah, I wasn't in. Co- I was in competitions really early on, and then after that, no, it didn't didn't really happen because of work and other recreational things that that go on. But the IBM office, main office, was about uh, 100 meters from the South Bank Centre, which is the oldest unofficial skate park they accidentally built this thing underneath a sort of festival hall in central london by the river thames that is is still a skate park today it's about a fifth of the size that it was back then but ibm was there so i could just whip out of my suit at lunchtime go charge around there it was great fun so you'd you'd, uh, drop the suit 
get into your clothes, uh, have a little fun and come back in the suit and go back to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man, what, you sound like Superman without the flying thing. <laughs> Amazing story. All right. Uh, then you were a partner in a business consultancy. So I'm thinking uh, as this goes along, you love your thing, but it's your hobby, your skateboarding that is. Mm. But you're very much in the milieu of work and earning money and the corporate world because you now are a partner in a business consultancy, a sort of... Um, a startup visit of, of those days. It was, um, it was called. It was an ontological building consultancy. That's a huge one. Uh, not building, sorry, consultancy. Uh, uh, company consultancy. It was originally called the Loving Organisations Group, which went down like a cup of cold sick in the corporate world, as you can wow, imagine. Wow, the Loving. So we called it Transformations, and it was a phenomenal success. It was. It was really cool. But uh, again, I, I'm not really a sticker. I stayed for a few years and then bounced and started the phone company. And your heart was at your feet. Your feet were on a board. No, 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 not that. My heart was in what we set out to do. We wanted to bring um, love into the organisations. And we what the hell does that mean? You sound like one of the Hare Krishna, Hare Rama cults that was, stand at the airports in Chicago. No, but like, no, no, on a serious note, I don't get serious too often, but I, I just noticed that when people go to work, they tend, they tend to be told to leave their personality on the doorstep. Yeah. And don't bring that to work. It's not professional. How can you not bring yourself to work? It's just ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. So I wanted to be a part of an organization where you could bring all of yourself to work. We actually had a sign on the wall that says, we want to play our part in building the golden age, a workplace that works for everyone, where anything can be said and heard. And so you de-stress the corporate man. Is that it? We introduced the concept of love and service into the workplace and some people got it and some people hated it. Again, my part of the world it would be confusing because we think love at the work at the office means you're going to bring in lots of the other gender and we all have a good time up to 12 o'clock in the afternoon. I, there, was, there was some of that. I mean, oh, wow. one of our, one of Sign biggest, me up. One of our biggest clients was British Airways and they put every single one of their cabin crew through one of our programs. So. Every week, twice a week, if it's a three and a half day program, we would get presented with 30 cabin crew, which is 27 women and four gay guys or something like that. So, All right, we've done a bit to bring the genders together with that very statement. I, 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 this is not a very interesting part of you, which is you trained as a personal trainer and incorporated Qigong. Is this the right pronunciation? And acupuncture in the sessions that you did with clients. Well, what is that? What is Qigong? Were you an acupuncturist? Yeah, I am. I'm a trained, oh, you are. trained auricular acupuncturist or ear. For the ear. Yeah. You can treat the whole body through the ear. Like, like, like you can do reflexology, treat the whole body through the feet, through sticking uh, acupuncture needles in the ear, you can treat the whole body. Okay, so let me just clarify for our listeners, that's ear without the R. Okay, that's not, that's ear. Okay, because, you know, the Indian accent and the, pick it okay. up wrong. E-A-R. Uh, E-A-R, not R-E-A-R, because, you know, people... No, you don't stick pins in the No, I could be, you don't understand us. We don't, your accent and mine, that won't gel properly and mm -hmm. misunderstand. Uh, so, you, what you're saying is, you, so you took a course, and then you actually, you earned money doing this as well? People would come to you with problems? After the IBM experience, I, didn't, I couldn't do that anymore. Um, and I quit, and I thought, what do I want to do? And I did this... I was really into working out, I'd always been into fitness, and so I did that, and then I realised it was just, it was rubbish, it was just putting people back together again after their drunken weekend binges, so they could go and do it again the next week, so I wanted to do more sort of holistic uh, personal training, rather than just lift this, run this much, do this, which was all very mechanical, so what, the Qigong is basically energy work so I wanted to bring energy work and body consciousness into the into the training and then then that's what led on to the so let me understand if you have pain in your testicle and you'll be able to figure it out by touching the ear of the client mm, and I, I, never, of, I never got as far as that uh, liver lung spleen yin point um, 
Uh, the big organs. Nobody cares about the damn testicles. Yeah, I never really got where the, where the testicles were. But the, they're, they're the minorities of the Qigong experience. The ones who've been left behind. I think that testicles this, matter. This needs to be addressed. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Maybe it was the other year which controlled the groin in other areas. Maybe you just stuck with one. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm sure we can find it because if you look at the ear, not the rear, the ear, yeah. it's like an inverted fetus, i.e. like the... Yeah, it is. Uh, the curve of the back, etc. So there will be a point for that area. So is that how it's, the whole body is sort of measured? Because it, it represents the fetus in a way? Exactly. Oh, yeah, excellent. So you did that. And now this is where Nick Smith's life gets even more interesting. He then did sessions with uh, prison uh, prisoners and drug rehabilitation units, or so drug addicts, basically. So what was, why there? And would you earn money? Was that more like charity work? Why were you in prisons? Um... Because that's where, I mean, I did get paid for it. It wasn't a, a great deal. I got paid an awful lot. But who would more. want to really go to prisons and treat prisoners? I mean, I think your Mother Teresa, well, please take us through that. Why? I love going to jails. <laughs> Especially if you can leave in the yeah, evening. Yeah, because I have been to <laughs> Sorry, jail. guys, you stay back. I'm I, I've been to jail twice where I didn't actually have the opportunity of leaving when oh, I wanted. Oh, you actually serve jail time, please. Yeah. Nick, you're the first guy on our show. Ever? Tell me. Really? Yeah. Well, they just don't tell us about it. So go on, be open. I was. What, what, <laughs> apparently, perhaps too open. So, 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 what happened? Why were you uh, incarcerated? Um, because uh, it goes back to the early not early seventies, seventies when I started skateboarding. There were all these companies throwing loads of money. I won a few contests. I got given a ton of money. Didn't know what to do with it. Bought recreational things. And, oh, for drug abuse. And got. Beaten. I wanted like murder or something exotic. Food for smoking up. That's it. That's your story. There was, there was something worse. Rioting? No, actually. You support an Indian political party. You ate beef in India. Come on, give me something. No, there, it was. I forget what it was called. It was. It was the next one down from treason. It was. It was. It was like rioting. There was just arson. No, I forget what it was. There's some looting or legal name. No, oh, conspiracy to cause an affray. That's it. Yeah. What the hell does that mean? It means somebody stole my stereo and I got a bunch of my friends to go around to help retrieve said oh, stereo. It was a gangbuster. And there was a big fight. Yeah. Right. Come on. This is wrong place, wrong time. You're not criminal enough. You've got to work harder. Anyway, coming back to the fact that you went into prisons, you empathize, obviously, having spent some time there. Uh, and, and you would go and you'd talk to prisoners and you'd help them with acupuncture. Yeah, yeah. Acupuncture, so, meditation, they loved it. They really loved yeah, it. Uh, yeah. Would they respond positively? Or? Really positively, yeah, yeah. Yeah? And um, what about the drug addicts? That's a separate it was the, No, it was the drug addicts. It was the, it was the drug addicts in prison. In prison, in, in, the, in the UK, I'm sure there are lots of other countries too, but in the UK there's a, a, a special place, a special part of the wing where you can choose to go to. It's, it was called the RAP, Rehabilitation of Addicted Prisoners Trust. And... As part of their service, they used to have people come in, do the amazing. It was amazing. Imagine the guy, he, he stopped doing his drugs, he's stuck in jail, and then somebody comes and playing with his ear and telling him that's how he'll heal himself. Yeah, it's really insane. It's like he was, smoked up again. There was this, this scene where there was like 60 guys in a room, and I went in there um, with the, the person I used to work with, and we pinned up everybody's ear, and these two guys were chatting away in the corner. And this guy really quite resembled you in build and stature. Turn around and goes, "Will you shut up? I'm trying to meditate here." And um, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. N not to me, to the guys who were chatting away in the corner. 
quite quite a colorful life nick smiths but then there was a real job oh, that's the wrong word to use there was a conventional job as a sports car salesman so you went back into the corporate world again specializing in ferraris maseratis and lotus which out here is a political symbol but out there is a car uh, ferraris maserati so back back at uh, the old job in a sense selling no it's rich just the, the the sessions in the jails i did another section sessions for the london underground the um subway yeah the subway people they, they employ loads of people they've got like a one strike and you're out thing you're yeah. caught with some bad thing in your blood right not to mention you're underground all the time for god's sake and they're, under, and they're underground yeah but the, i used to go do acupuncture for them and then i had my first child wasn't earning enough money my fr i've always had loads of sports cars um and my friend knew that I, I could drive he said could you come and deliver some of these so i did on my days when i wasn't sticking pins in people's ears with no r, r at the beginning yeah and um, and two weeks later, they said, "Would you like to come and sell some?" It's like, what red-blooded male wouldn't want to go and sell a Ferrari, especially given that you get to you take, drive it every day. You yeah. get to take them home. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Maserati as well. And uh, so, but then you're back in the uh, the normal sort of conventional job again. You're still doing your skateboarding on the side, I presume. Mm. That's still there. What makes you? When did you have the moment where you said enough and it's skateboarding and nothing else? Uh, I didn't really make that decision. It kind of made me. Uh, after the Go experience, uh, that lasted for four winters. So, so let's now. So you you're in England now. You come to Goa for on a holiday. I, I came. No, I'd been here before, like on a holiday. I'd done the Go. I think been to Palalem, blah blah blah, all that sort of thing. And I'd also came again and did all the Ayurvedic retreats and the yoga. But then I came back um, seriously for a whole winter in 2002 and then decided that was it, I was going to build a skate park in my garden and promptly did, thinking that it would be really popular with people like me, older dudes with kids, with wives, blah, blah, blah. They'd come, hang out, hang out. The wife could go get a massage. They could have a skate, go drink a beer on the beach. It didn't really happen like that. The place was full of young professionals, amateur skateboarders from all around the world who didn't want to go home because the most cheapest thing, the, the, the most expensive thing for them was to get here. Once they were here, they could stay in Goa for, you know, ages. They'd get free shoes and stuff. They'd get their sisters or their mums to sell them on eBay. They just stayed. And Kings at the time was about 200 rupees for 12 bottles. They'd arrived in, in, in paradise. Um, so the place was just full. There was always like 30-odd people staying. There was three houses on the, on the plot. And it was chaos, carnage, hell of good times. So skateboards, uh, skateboarding artists from all over the world, but what about Indians? Were local guys coming in as well? Was no, it catching on? No, some of the Chipura gang came as a sort of a bravado thing, but it wasn't there. It wasn't for them. And were they not up to speed with the with the other guys? From they just didn't want to get hurt, I don't think. It, was, uh, it, it, never, it never really sort of went on. Skateboarding didn't really happen for Indians until 2011. 2010, 2011, I was invited to go to Bangalore and I built this huge skate park. And as soon as the, the local guys realized that this thing was going on, they were there, they were there every single night. And this, a lot of them are still skating today. Most of them have quit their jobs and they live and breathe skateboarding. One's just been in Africa building a skate park. As a so if there's any uh, super achievers who've now quit their jobs and are just skateboarding for the rest of their lives, Nick Smith is to blame if the parents are upset. We're with middle class India. This is not a good idea. People are going to get upset all over the place. But uh, it's a growing sport. It's not a sport. It's a growing lifestyle choice. Lifestyle choice. Fair enough. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Lots more to talk about. I want to ask Nick Smith about all things English as well and not just skateboarding. We'll come back in a few seconds.
All right, as Nick uh, takes a sip of water, he's got a big gig tonight. We'll talk to him about all kinds of interesting uh, things such as SK8 Goa. Uh, Nick, what is SK8 Goa? Skate Goa. That was the India's first skate park. The, well, right. about India's first. There was a ramp at about the same time in um, Oroville, but uh, mine was just a bit bigger and it caught on a lot more. Okay, and that's still going? Which one? Uh, the, the skate, uh, skate in Goa? No, 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 no. All right. It's okay. there. It's still there. People bust in and go skate, but the landlord doesn't like it. Okay, it's just like anything in India now. The law's caught up with us. Holy Stoked. What is Holy Stoked? Um, Holy Stoked was the, the the collective, the the group, all the people that used to come along when, when the Bangalore Park was still in build. I built a bowl first. And we all used to skate it every night, sometimes in the dark. Mm-hmm. And then it became apparent that the, the guy who you know, wanted the skate park built as part of his sports facility, he wasn't really down with taking skateboarding anywhere. And so we decided that we would do it ourselves and thought about doing a magazine and then started a company and then started importing skateboards. Um, and then it all just sort of changed and I moved on. And they're still going. I hope you spoke to still doing their thing. All right, so you sort of started the trend and then you left them there and you moved on. How, uh, Indian roads aren't as well equipped as English or well, foreign roads. Uh, do you think this will change because skateboarding is a means of daily transport? It's tough here. While elsewhere in the world, people actually move around on their skateboards. It's I noticed you came in with a board. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I live in um, New Mexico, as I've renamed it. I'm down in Navi, Mumbai, which I'm sure you've heard of, but probably, yes. probably haven't been there. Yes, um, I've seen it from, from the plane and yeah, I then sure, shut my sure. eyes and hope I never see it again. But yeah. <laughs> I like it there. You've got parks and things. It's and great. there's some space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then the, but the roads there, they're they're okay. You can you can cruise around those. Without. But in the old cities, there's no hope. It's very well, unlikely. Yeah, skateboarding was called sidewalk surfing, and you guys don't really have sidewalks here. So. Well, we have, but they've just been taken over by cars. You won't even notice them. That's the way it is. All right, Nick, I'm going to take you away from skateboarding for a second because we've got an Englishman in the house, and there's so much happening in England. The Queen's 90th birthday. See, my Queen. Well. She, what, you Irish? Huh? <laughs> Go on. 90th birthday, she's still in power. Sounds like an English poli- uh, Indian politician, for that matter. Yeah, she's worse than most of your England, Indian politicians. Uh-huh. And more powerful. And uh, far more money, I'm told. Yeah. Not okay. to mention the corgis. I haven't really got any time for anybody who can end world poverty without, you know, feeling the pinch or missing supper for a few days and doesn't do it. Pff, they don't exist for me. She's not my queen. Not done enough. All right. Uh, what about the, the European Union? Do you think Britain should quit? Or, uh, you know, stand alone or stay? Don't care. It's a joke. Yeah? yeah. So you've lost all interest in everything English? Um, I've lost all interest in anything nationality wise. Nationality-wise, religious-wise, I think all of it is just designed by the 1% who've got all the money to keep us fighting amongst each other about whether you're brown and I'm white or this, that or the other or you're English or you're Pakistani or whatever it is. Anything that divides humanity is ridiculous and we should outgrow it now. So where's Nick Carter? Uh, Nick Smith going to go? Not Nick Carter. Nick Smith going to go. Is he going to stay in India? Is this your home? Um, I'm, I've always felt at home here. I feel more at home here than I felt ever anywhere. I've always, whenever I've touched down in Indian soil, there's been a. Besides, you have a home. You have a home. You have a home in Goa. You have a home in Navi Mumbai, New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. And you're spreading the the the, the surf skateboarding. Uh, uh, sort of philosophy uh, all across India. Is there one part of India which is taken to it more? Is it more like in the south? Well, it was Bangalore, but it was you know it's, it's no it's no great big surprise if you build a facility where people can skate and people can push the boundaries and and progress. 
the scene's going to happen. And now we've got this massive skate park because uh, your government's got involved. Your government, uh, the government of India has got involved and they, they, they did a skate park in Pune which was a disaster because some architect obviously just looked at some pictures of skate parks and thought I can do this and um, and he built this travesty and wasted a ton of public money and he built this thing that looks like a skate park so thankfully when the NMMC decided that they want to build a skate park they got me here so I can so that I can stop another travesty another huge so what happened to that old travesty where's it gone the Pune one is empty it just sits there in Pune and the locals go and spit pan in there wow that's a, oh, that's a sport I can get down with mm -hmm. I miss that alright let me just test your knowledge of India you've been here and you're well, you're an Indian now whether like it or not so I'm going to just throw it out there let's see your reactions uh, Lata Mangeshkar no idea no idea alright uh, Mahindra Singh Dhoni Mahindra's a car. Mahindra is half a car. Mahindra and another Mahindra would be a full car. But okay, yeah, okay. yeah, you're somewhere there. You're somewhere there. I've got a good friend who's a service manager at Mahindra Service Station. He I, would he would beg to differ. You think? Yeah. What's his name? What's in Narendra? I, I can't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> this won't end. All right. Um, Kanchenjunga. No, I don't. I don't. I got. I got Zhugard, I've got Acha. Hey, sorry, I'm not probably not supposed well, you, to swear online. You can. Uh, I just did. Um, <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> and I got Jogard. I like the Jogard. That's my favourite one. Mm -hmm. Do you speak any Hindi? No. Not a word. No, no. no the, the bad language? No, not even that. Oh, a little bit of bad language. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, what is your favourite Indian food? Oh, idli vada. Idli vada. Daily. Idli. Okay, so idli and vada is two separate things put together. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. And uh, do you do you miss the Western cuisine at all, or do you just you get everything? Yes, in? no, I really miss it. I, somebody said to me the other day, "Oh, do you really like bland food?" And I said, "No, no, I just quite like food that tastes of food." Uh, sometimes I get a bit bored with putting fire in my mouth. Yeah, but by now you must be used to our chutneys and masalas and all that. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I really dig it. Just sometimes I just like to eat something that just tasted like the vegetable that is on my plate. All right. So, uh, if you had to go back to skating for a second, what was the experience of setting up skate parks in Mumbai like? Was it for you a good experience at the end of the day with all the political interference and all that you've been through, uh, or would you would you do it again if you had a chance, or no? Of course, I'm doing it again. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two. I'm on two builds at the moment. A really big one for the government, NMMC, down in New Mexico way. Um, and another one for uh, this place called the NRI Complex, which is this swanky housing association on Palm Beach Road. Kind of odd. It, it did occur to me that, you know, my intention with coming back here was to work with the more kind of, to, for want of a better word, unfortunate. Um, but the more I see of the culture, when I go around places like Dharavi, I, I see a community. I go around some of these other places, I just see people with cars and nice clothes, but don't see too much community. So I'm not sure who's actually better off. So you were trying to, what you're saying is that you thought that it would appeal more to the less fortunate? No, I, I wanted to work more with the less fortunate, because I guess maybe because that's where I hail from. I'm not really, I'm from the wrong side of the tracks. Um, and, and also I just I just see that we really live in a really unequal world, which is what I really like about India. I was having this discussion with a lawyer uh, um, my friends just launched a new restaurant, Capital Social, in the BKC area and was at the opening. And I was talking to his wife, who's a lawyer, and um, I was, she was saying about the corruption in India. I said, I really like that. 
because I find it's egalitarian corruption. Yeah, in my it's country, across the board. Yeah, in my country, you can only get corrupt if you're at the top of the food chain. Here, everybody can get in on the action. Yes, you have the caste system when it comes to corruption. We have the egalitarian system. Wow, wonderfully put, philosopher friend, Nick Smith. Uh, as we wind up, Nick, uh, what are the plans for the future? Spreading the gospel of skateboarding, or is there something new? Um, yeah, I want to create um, a movement more than a brand. Brighton's the brand, BRGTN, because it represents my hometown. It sort of represents the connection between there and here. We've got our own shop now, which is selling skateboards. First shop selling skateboards in, in Bombay. I think technically the first shop selling skateboards in India. There's a few online things. Um, so there's that, but but more than that, I want to create a vessel for for, for 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 to sort of fulfill my fantasies, to do stuff with a clothing line, to do events, to do gigs, to do um, you know cult, cultural events, and to to bring together urban cultures like the hip hop community. I really dig what's going on with that. I recently did a little collaboration with this freestyle footballer, Irish. He was really cool. Um, and, and just kind of create a vessel that I can fulfill my dreams with and, and offer other people the same opportunity. I meet a lot of people who are very um, artistic and it occurs to me one of the reasons that they're artistic, not, I, don't, I don't mean to decry their abilities, but is that they come from really nice families or what in India would be called a good family, which means a family... I've never, with, that's with, a terrible thing, you're right. We should outlaw that. As in, if you're not a good family, what does that mean, really? You have a mother, you have a father, same as everybody else. Well, it, it, it means a good family here, as I've come to understand it, because I didn't really understand it. It's right? a rich family. Yeah, it's a rich family, yeah. and their children can afford to be artistic, yeah. whereas I meet a lot of people who are probably just every bit as artistic, but they can't afford to be so because they work 10 hours a day in a store. Right. Uh, I just like to address that balance in some small way, if I can. That's what I'd like to do. All right, Nick, uh, nice talking to you. All the best with your life. And I wish you were still a car salesman because I'm sure you'd give me a good deal on a Ferrari. I can maybe still get you a good deal on you a think? Ferrari. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. Talk numbers to me. Throw me numbers. Huh? Throw me some numbers. You'd, what, have, what? you'd have to come to London. Right? I've got give a me good, something. Good, good friend who's still general manager of the Lamborghini dealership. I was hanging out there for a while just before I came out here. So, But you'd have to buy it there. And then pay 300% customs to bring it back to the country. You love, Nick. You love. <laughs> All right. Nice talking to you. But before we let you go, we have a section, rather a section called uh, AMI, where we have another producer comes in. He's a beautiful man. Uh, he's a philosopher in his own right. And he'll ask us questions and you feel free to answer. Nick Smith. And when we come back in a second, it'll be AMI. If you have any questions for Cyrus, write to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or you can send an email to whatcyrussays at gmail.com. Okay, Nick is with us still. Amit has joined us. It's AMI time. Amit, you must have a question. Uh, sure. The first question is from Empty Minded Devil on Twitter. Uh, his question is, an article in the Times of India on the 12th of April blames 56% of the ri- uh, blames the 56% rise in car sales over the last six years for our traffic situation. What's your take? Okay, that's Mumbai specific that's or Mumbai India? Mumbai specific. 56%. Yeah, man, this is... A, as a skateboarder, you tell us. You, because these they are your mortal enemies, vehicles. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. It, it just, it's just unbelievable. It's like a birth rate, death rate issue. It's just... just the pro, I don't see the hope. Well, I think we're going to die in traffic. We're just going to die in traffic. Because that's where we're in traffic, for sure. Well, let's get Nick's... Uh, Nick's got a different spin, I think, from his expression. I don't, really have, I don't really have a spin on it particularly. I just think that as human beings, we just need to evolve, and we need to evolve beyond the idea of the, our, our vehicles or our means of transportation being an extension of our personality. Like, I, like, for instance, like I drive a big Ferrari, whatever. 
Why don't we just carpool? It's just, yeah. I mean, I think in a few years... Or skateboard. Oh, well, it's not really... It's, it's not going to work. But 30 million people cruising around and, on and skateboard. And the, the richer Indians will have drivers on the skateboard. Driving you. Skateboard driver. Yeah. Well, driver right, model please. Yes. Yeah. And so what do you do then? You sit on the back of the skateboard? or well, You sit on the driver. Oh, it's okay. a great experience for him. <laughs> but coming back to the whole thing, I don't want to sound cynical, but I've, since the 90s, when I started driving, you know, 1990 or 91 maybe, uh, till 2016, I've just seen it. The, the graph is just going down at a very alarming rate and it's a little scary because South Mumbai especially right. there is no space to grow in terms of city mm-hmm. so all we got is more cars you do the maths and it's just a box but it's you know, getting smaller. I, I kind of disagree with that I'll, I'll tell you I mean like just from a purely practical perspective right I mean like when I was in uh, school and I used to come to Bandra it was about an hour now it's about an hour there's no real practical yeah, but that's difference. that's if there are less uh, vehicles you know it all depends on what time and all this too much man Transport in Mumbai is like an entire. You've got to do pre-production. You got to plan. You got to research. There's a lot of stress involved. There's definitely planning. I'm telling you, people are going to give birth in traffic. They're going to make out in traffic. They're going to die in traffic. They're going to do their hair in traffic. All that's going to happen. I live in traffic these days. I mean, seriously, it it feels like I spend three hours a day. Nick doesn't empathize with us because he's built himself a nice big uh, swimming pool (laughs) and he's got a little (laughs) set of wheels and he goes up and down and there's nobody in between. Okay, next okay, question. Next question. Uh, this question is from uh, Fiaz Muhammad. Uh, this is Fiaz from Bangalore. I've listened to almost all of the episodes of your show and it's brilliant. Been a big fan since the Bakra days and I love everything about your show. My question to you, Cyrus, is oftentimes you keep saying something against the wife. And yet, I haven't seen any scars on your forehead or acid burns anywhere. Yeah, the wife is a generic wife. Brocha, the nation <laughs> wants to know, how do you manage to escape the wife? Well, my wife, lo- a lovely lady that she is, doesn't know, uh, well, she hasn't watched the program I've done or the podcast <laughs> or read anything I've written. Uh, and that's how managers work. If you keep the professions apart, she has no idea. She thinks I work in security somewhere. Yeah, just leave the house in short pants. Right. Or she thinks I'm in the RSS <laughs> and she's not proud. But uh, all said and done, uh, you know, I get this uh, once made a joke about the mother-in-law I remember it came in a magazine and whatever and someone said what if your mother-in-law sees it please understand these are generic mother-in-laws and generic wives we talk about they aren't really our own uh, they're sometimes drawn from a real experience but not always yeah. now uh, Nick would you like to elucidate about your wife mother-in-law or any relative of your choice no plead the fifth on that one fair enough because <laughs> when you live in our country everybody's your relative sooner or later trust me <laughs> alright that's all we got that's all we got but skateboarding is out there you can contact Nick Smith if you want to learn uh, he's not going to teach you but uh, if you can follow his way maybe one day you'll get out of traffic what happens Nick if a huge truck and a skateboard bang into each other what, what's what's going to happen then have you ever thought that through yeah it's happened because they give you those silly helmets and oh it's happened yeah, yeah, yeah. And the trucker's dead? <laughs> no, you just have to get the hell out of the way. <laughs> so just, just quickly before we let you go, so they wear these small helmets and they have these little elbow guards and all. You go at this really fast pace, downhill, down swimming pool or whatever. And is people that, don't wear any helmets or any... Nothing? No, no, no. So there's no hope if you actually fall? You don't fall that much. Well, you do fall, but there's, there's very... I mean, there's really, really few head injuries. I've been skateboarding a very long time. I think I've hit my head twice. Um, both time involve stitches, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very, most of the accidents in skateboarding, the serious accidents, take place in the first week or so, when you're standing on this alien thing that's kind of doing whatever it's doing. But, uh, and obviously there's other accidents, but it's no, no more dangerous than football. And also the survival, the longevity. Do you know any footballers that still play football uh, at any decent standard at 52? 
It's just what they do in the ISL. <laughs> we have a league for all the only Oregon footballers. <laughs> it's called the ISL. Yeah, yeah, that's quite pretty interesting. All right, Nick, thank you so much for thank giving you. us a slice into your life. Thank you. Man. We'll see you soon on Cyrus Says. Okay, catch us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Beyond Pod, any of the podcasting apps. Please, we beg you, we need you. If you have any questions, write to us online and uh, you can mail us as well. We will answer. We have a doctor in the house called me. And that's what Cyrus says.